Hi everyone, welcome to The Debrief. I'm Diane Macedo. Our top stories this morning. If you're in the east, get your coats and your shovels ready. Snow is headed our way. We'll have the latest on that big storm. Also, a new turn in the Jesse Smollett case. We'll tell you what the FBI is now saying about the Empire actor's alleged attack. And finally, a look at the Oscars from a very unique point of view. All that coming up right after your headlines. The newest Democrat in the presidential race made a big splash on the donation front just a day after announcing he's in. Bernie Sanders has collected more than $4 million in donations. A warning today from Russian President Vladimir Putin saying new Russian weapons will target the United States if the U.S. deploys missiles to Europe. We're learning new details about the disappearance of Colorado mother Kelsey Barrett. At a preliminary hearing, prosecutors said they want to interview the mother of Barrett's fiancé, Patrick Frazee, because they believe the mother saw him burn a black bag that may have contained Barrett's body. You can now check the latest forecast for Mars, NASA's newest lander InSight, offering daily reports online about the red planet's winter. Lows for the past week on Mars have measured 138 degrees below zero. Good morning, everyone. We're going to start things off with the weather. A huge storm is now moving east, basically threatening the entire I-95 corridor. And Stephanie Ramos is live in Charlottesville, Virginia, with a very special ride. Stephanie? Hey, Diane. We are driving around in winter storm style. We are in a snowplow truck here in Charlottesville, Virginia, driving with Dwayne the Chalk Johnson, that's right, from Virginia's Department of Transportation. And this is what it's looked like pretty much this morning here in Charlottesville, a wintry mix, and the roads doing okay. They're pretty manageable because of these trucks that have been out all morning trying to clear the roads. But the snow that fell this morning here in Charlottesville has turned into more of an icy mix. Dwayne is dropping uh, some salt here on the roads. And Dwayne, what would you say is a common mistake made by a lot of people in a storm like this? Well, tires are important. Make sure you have mud and snow tread tires. I've seen cars trying to get up Afton Mountain and they'd just be spinning, and it was because of the tires they had on. Second mistake would be, uh, though you have four-wheel drive, it does not make you invincible. I've had people come by me with four-wheel drive through the 40 years I've been doing this, and next thing they'd be in the ditch because they felt like they were invincible because they had the four-wheel drive. Pretend you have two-wheel drive, go slow, Take your time and you'll get there. Make sure you keep a distance between the car in front of you. Uh, they train us, you know, you, you try to keep distance in front of the car in front of you, plus add on some for the guy behind you that may be following too close. Just little safety things like that. Really good reminder. And even overnight, we saw some dicey conditions in so many cities across the country. Cars spinning out of control in New Mexico. Uh, cars sliding off in Kansas, so really, really dangerous conditions out there. And so many cities along that I-95 corridor are dealing with this winter storm, all the way from Kansas to Maine. So this storm isn't over. Diane? All right, pretty good. Cool to get that inside look from you, Stephanie. Thanks, and good advice from Dwayne. Slow and steady wins the race here, people.
But unfortunately, the storm is also causing delays and cancellations at airports across the country. Our own David Curley is at Reagan International. And David, what's it like on the tarmac right now? Well, this is ground zero for the problem so far. I want to show you this American Eagle jet here who's going to be taking off here momentarily. Do you see all that green on it? That is de-icer. And just to the right, you can see the trucks that just finished de-icing that aircraft. It is now headed to the runway to take off. And in the background, you can see another Delta aircraft getting ready to take off. I think that's a Delta aircraft. Uh, but that'll give you a sense of what the situation looks like here at Reagan National Airport. Visibility not that great. You can see there's still some snow and slush on the runways and the tarmacs here. We're going to be seeing another aircraft come in here momentarily as well to get that de-icing done. 40% of the flights here have already been canceled. This is ground zero for the problems with the aviation system today. And that can those cancellations are rippling across the country. Chicago also having a tough time today. So the only good news, as we see the Delta aircraft take off, and as you can see, as I was saying, well, that's a landing, not a takeoff. The only good news is that this is all expected to stop in another hour or two, and then rain's going to come and wash it all away. But a, a very difficult day if you're flying because of all the cancellations here. Uh, across the country, we're talking about 1,600 cancellations already. I usually, it gets my attention at 1,000. So when you have 1,600, you've got a problem. You can see some of the vehicles that are still out here working the runways and the tarmacs. A tough day to fly and the ripple effects coming from here in Washington, Diane. And David, any airports getting hit particularly hard? Yeah, this one and Chicago are the toughest right now. Baltimore has had about a third of its flights canceled. Out at Dulles, which is to the uh, west of us here, about one in five flights have been canceled there. So Baltimore, Washington areas, significant impacts today. Chicago's having their own problems as well, Diane. And David, now to the hopefully good news. How long before things get back to normal? Well, it's going to be a bad day today. Uh, some of that ripple effect they should be able to deal with overnight and get planes, planes positioned for tomorrow. There may be some residual tomorrow, but this looks really like a one-day event for anybody who's flying. There finally is the takeoff <laughs> from Delta in the kind of soupy mess here that we have at Reagan National Airport. So flights are going. That's the good news. Just and not as many as there should be. We got a good shot to end on, too, David. I'm not sure who's more excited. You or the passengers to see that takeoff, but good to see the planes yeah, at least running, happy. even if it's a little bit All more right. slow there than usual. Take David Curley for us at Reagan International Airport. David, thanks. And now let's go to the woman responsible for all of this, our chief meteorologist, Ginger Z. Ginger, have some explaining to do here. Thanks, Diane. How about we go ahead and talk about the same type of winter storm that keeps on moving through, at least in the East Coast. But how about we begin, though, with a place that's had a lot of snow, could end up today with their snowiest February on record, six to nine inches expected around the Twin Cities. It's already messy on the roads. They do have schools closed, so that's good. Chicago kept them open. They should get a, a lesser amount of snow, but it's still going to snow there all the way through, say, Toledo or Cleveland, all along that warm front. So there are winter storm warnings from Washington, D.C. that started the morning with snow right here to New York City where there's a winter weather advisory. And here's how it's all going to time out. Strong storms, even severe storms possible in Mississippi. Mississippi today along that uh, the low on the south at the southern end. Move it north though and the timing brings Philadelphia snow through the day. Then it transitions to ice by the time people are on the roads. 
and then rain. New York, the tri-state, going to be snow, at least to drive around tonight, and then go over to rain. So a lot like a lot of the storms we've been ending up seeing this winter, uh, you'll see snow, sleet, then rain, and heavy rain possible in the south. I wanted to bring you to the southwest because on Sunday they had a tornado in New Mexico with the snow on the ground there, just very picturesque. Uh, does not happen all that often. Wanted to share that with you because Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, Utah, Idaho, all these folks, even down to the Mexican border, in for some serious winter weather with this next storm that's coming in tonight through Thursday. It will end up leaving feet of snow in Arizona. We're talking about two feet plus, even just around the Tucson Mountains. So there's the mountain ranges there. They could end up seeing the snow cover there. So really big storm, not just here in the east, but another one for the southwest. Diane. All right, Ginger Z, our chief meteorologist. Thanks, Ginger. And now to that ABC News exclusive with a 24-year-old woman from Alabama who spent four years with ISIS. Now she's begging to come back home, and she sat down with her own James Longman. James joins us live from Syria. James, how does she explain all of this? Hi, Diane. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of explaining to do, right? Mm -hmm. um, well, we are up here in uh, eastern Syria, and as we're watching the caliphate dismantled, if you like, the so-called Islamic caliphate, we have seen uh, ISIS fighters, their wives and their children, fleeing out of uh, the space that it once occupied. And among them is this 24-year-old woman, Huda Mufanna. She spent four years in the so-called Islamic State. While she was there, she married three times, twice to fighters. Uh, she spent time inside the, the so-called Islamic State tweeting, trying to get Americans uh, to rise up, using her words, and, and kill their fellow Americans. So this was, uh, uh, she had a lot of explaining to do, let's put it like that. And I sat down with her, as you say, uh, and uh, I got the sense from her that she really wasn't quite grasping exactly the magnitude of what she had done or the organizations she was uh, a part of. Have a watch. So by this time you're 21 and you were a widow twice. And I mean, it does sound, I mean, I, I feel like it's strange to you to hear me say it back yeah. to you. <laughs> is, that, is that how you're feeling? I mean, to go back to America being widowed three times with an orphan child, it's not common at all, actually. I'm probably the first. <laughs> so I want to ask about what, what life was like inside the Islamic State with regards to how much you knew about what it was doing as a terror organization. Um, we were watching from the outside, and we would see the videos, the beheadings, the murders, um, and it was shocking. Were you aware of those things going on? We would see dead bodies in public. We would see kids seeing dead bodies in public. We would see limbs splattered on the floor. And see, seeing it with your own eyes really made you wake up and change. There was a kind of childlike innocence about her, if I'm honest, Diane. Um, you know, if you look at some of the other women that have been speaking about their experiences inside, I'm talking specifically about Shamima Begum, a British woman who has also been speaking out about her time inside the so-called Islamic State. Shamima really was unapologetic. She really refused to uh, reject the ideology of the so-called Islamic State, whereas Hoda, I felt, wanted to. She wanted to say that she regretted it, and she did. She said that she must have been brainwashed and she doesn't know what she was thinking and she would love to be able to come back to the United States and, and uh, start again. She understands she has to face justice. But I, I kind of challenged her because I said to her, you know, you have to understand how awful this organization was. This is an organization that was enslaving women, that was murdering people that didn't agree with it, that was throwing 
uh, suspected homosexuals off roofs and was broadcasting it around the world. And she said that she didn't agree with it, but like, I couldn't, in her eyes, there was no registration of how awful the organisation was. So it was quite extraordinary to meet her. And of course, as has been reported, um, she is looking to come back to the States. But there's a big question about whether that is going to happen, Diane. All right. Well, we will find out if she's able to extract enough sympathy to get back home. James Longman uh, with a great report there. James, thank you for that. And from one bizarre case to another, there is now a new turn in the case of Empire actor Jussie Smollett. The FBI is now saying the actor may have played a role in sending a threatening letter to the studio a week before his alleged attack. Eva Pilgrim is live in Chicago with the details on that. Eva, this is one of those stories that feels like it changes every day. What's the latest now? Well, it, it does seem to change every day and generally usually later in the afternoon is when we find out some bombshell different thing is going on that um, we had been sniffing around but didn't know for sure. This now we know is the federal authorities are investigating whether or not Smollett himself mailed this letter to himself and that letter in question he talked about it um, to ABC News was very threatening it was racist it was homophobic he um, that letter is now in the FBI lab and they are analyzing that letter uh, for any kind of clues as to where that letter came from Diane uh, so Eva what happens next are, have we heard anything from Smollett uh, in regards to these new allegations at this point, it's a, a little bit of a wait-and-see game, and, and, and if I might say, even maybe a little bit of like playing chicken to see who will go first and what the next side will do. Uh, yesterday, you may know, we were at the courthouse all afternoon. Uh, those two brothers who uh, accused Smollett of or has said that Smollett paid them to orchestrate uh, this alleged attack. They were in the courthouse with their attorneys. We've we've heard that they were talking with prosecutors. They were in, they've been in communication with prosecutors and investigators. Um, and then um, at this point, we've also heard that Smollett's team has reached out to very well-known defense attorney Mark Garagos. He has taken on so many high-profile cases, including very high-profile clients like Michael Jackson. So they've been talking to him about whether or not he will join the team and he will represent Smollett. Uh, no decision has been made as far as that goes. So there's there's a lot of moving parts still happening. And, and as all of that is going on, investigators are still investigating. They're still trying to figure out exactly what the truth is here. Um, and uh, I imagine very few people actually know what the truth is at this point, Diane. All right, Eva, thanks for staying on top of it for us. We appreciate it. And now let's get to the latest in that teacher strike in West Virginia. Despite an apparent victory, the teachers are back on strike again today. Lauren Tomlato with our affiliate there has the latest on this unraveling story. Lauren? Well, the rain certainly isn't stopping hundreds of teachers from across the state from coming out to Putnam County, where schools remain open here on the second day of the statewide teacher strike. As you can see, they have lined main roads showing their support for their counterparts in Putnam County. Now, we spoke with the superintendent who didn't want to go on camera. He said that this decision is in no way a reflection of his feelings for the teachers. However, many say they are very disappointed with his decision to keep schools open. Yesterday, attendance numbers were right around 10% with roughly 25% of faculty reporting. So once again, only time will tell if the schools will in fact remain open.
open tomorrow if this strike does continue. Reporting in Putnam County, West Virginia, Lauren Talata, Eyewitness News. Lauren, thank you. And now let's head over to the White House, where the president is denying new claims that he asked his then acting attorney general to intervene in the Michael Cohen investigation. Karen Travers is at the very snowy White House this morning. Uh, Karen, what are the specific allegations in this New York Times report, and how is the president responding? Uh, very forcefully, and he is denying this report. He is saying it is false and fake news, Diane. The New York Times says that the president late last year asked then-acting Attorney General Matthew Whitaker to intervene in the investigation in New York into those hush money payments that Michael Cohen, his former personal lawyer, made to two women in the time before the 2016 election. The New York Times says that the president asked him to put somebody in charge of the investigation who might have been more sympathetic to the president and to Cohen and to that whole side. Uh, this is a man named Jeffrey Berman, who had actually recused himself from the investigation because he has ties to the president's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani. The New York Times says the president asked Whitaker, what about putting him back in charge? The president has denied this. He said it yesterday in the Oval Office, Diane, and again this morning on Twitter. I think, though, this is certainly something he'll continue to get questions about. And Karen, what could this mean for Whitaker? It could mean that House Democrats bring him back up to Capitol Hill to ask him more questions. Remember, he testified recently and he was asked specifically about whether or not he was asked or if he tried to do anything related to the investigations at the behest of the president or the administration. And Whitaker had this to say. White House asked for, nor have I provided any promises or commitments concerning the special counsel's investigation or any other investigation. Did you ever have any conversations with anybody about reassigning or firing any personnel, including U.S. attorneys with the Southern District of New York? Congresswoman, I sit on top of the Department of Justice, as you mentioned. And the Justice Department, Diane, says that Whitaker stands by that testimony to Congress. But I think with this new piece from The New York Times, there certainly could be a lot more questions. And you might want to see some House Democrats try and bring him back up and revisit this. He is no longer the acting attorney general. Of course, the Senate confirmed William Barr to be the new attorney general. All right. Karen Travers at the White House. Never a dull moment. Thanks, Karen. Thanks. And finally, we are just a few days away from the Oscars, and we're used to seeing the celebrities arrive in style, but what about the drivers that get them there? Romina Puga is going behind the scenes for us and getting the details from the good people, getting the scoop for us, Romina. What's up? Getting the behind the scenes for you, Diane. We're here on the red carpet. So much is going on right now on what, what will be the red carpet. They're rolling out that famous red uh, red carpet right behind me. This is where all of Hollywood's finest will be walking down, entering from behind me on Sunday, and we talk to the guy who wrangles all of the cars. He's in charge of who gets here, when, and what order, but he actually doesn't decide who gets here fashionably late. You coordinate who gets there first, because the red carpet's all about who's like the last person to arrive. <laughs> who chooses that? Unfortunately, I don't have that much control. Every so often, we'll get a call for somebody important that needs to go very quickly. Mm -hmm. So we'll take care of that. But there's no, 
there's no pecking order. Are the drivers watching the show to see if their guest won or lost or kind of get the mood before they go pick them up after the Oscars end? That's a great question. We house the drivers, we feed the drivers, we also pipe in the show so they can see it, know exactly if they're if they're passenger one, if they lost, that's going to determine kind of how the rest of their night is going to go. So you have this line of black limos, black SUVs. Mm -hmm. What's the weirdest request you've gotten from someone? We get some some odd cars. We get some old vintage cars that sometimes barely, they look nice, but they barely make it oh, no. out, of, out of the arrivals area. And once we, we did have someone arrive in the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. Who was that? I can't say. You can't say? I can't say. They just wanted to ride in the Oscar Mayer Wiener. And it, it was it was it was it was spectacular, to say <laughs> the least. I was so upset he wouldn't tell me who arrived in the Oscar Mayer Wiener. I tried looking it up online, couldn't find it. But again, you know, there's so many people behind this production. It's it's a crazy amount of people at work that goes into this. Ooh, we now have to get our investigative unit on this. Who arrived in the Oscar yes. Mayer Wiener mobile? Stephanie Ramos, by the way, might have a snowplow this year celebrities might be interested in. Romina Puga Forrest, live from the red carpet. Hope you're arriving in style, Romina. And finally, we are going overseas because if you ever wanted the chance to sport a haircut like Donald Trump or Kim Jong-un perhaps, well, here's your guy. A barbershop in Hanoi, Vietnam is offering free haircuts in the style of Trump and Kim as the city prepares for next week's U.S.-North Korea summit. The shop owner says the offer was meant to be fun, but it's becoming surprisingly popular. So popular, in fact. We thought, what the heck? Here at ABC News Live, we figured we'd give it a shot. What do you think? That's the Trump look. <laughs> do we have the Kim look? Oh, boy. All right. Well, you can let us know online which one you like best, or if I should just keep the normal do. We'll have to consult hair and makeup on that one. But as always, thanks for watching the debrief. Thanks for having a little fun with us here on ABC News Live. Don't forget, for all things politics, check out The Briefing Room. That airs at 3.30 right here on ABC News Live as well. And, of course, World News Prime at 8 p.m. And we're always on at the ABC News app or at abcnews.com. For ABC News Live, I'm Diane Macedo. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for watching, and check out the hairstyle.